1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is our second week in our series, Coming to Grips with Suffering. Coming to Grips with Suffering. Why is there suffering? Is suffering from God? If it is, is he mean and cruel? If it isn't from God, then where does it come from? People are suffering all over the world. Every one of us has suffered, maybe is suffering, or will suffer in the future. This is just part of what it means even to be human, to live on this planet in which we live. Now, as we continue to go through this series, some of the reasons for suffering, which we started last week, and we're going to review very briefly today before we launch into the next ones, some of the reasons for suffering will seem easy to grasp and accept. Some of the other reasons, though, of why we suffer, to be honest with you, those reasons may end up being quite painful, okay, in themselves. And I don't mean that as a play on words. Please listen, would you, to the entire series? Will you come every week, folks? This is going to be very important. It's going to take several weeks to cover this. But I believe at the end of it, if you will come and you will listen, because we're going to try to be very thorough in our understanding of what this is about. If you'll come and listen to them and take these things, take notes and apply it to life, it's going to be very, very helpful to you and also to those that you meet, you'll be able to not only be ministered to, but to minister to others as well. And I believe it's going to end up making a whole lot of sense. Now, why is there suffering? Well, as we saw last week, the main overall reason that there is suffering to begin with is sin. Now, I don't necessarily mean personal sin, although that would fit. I'm talking about sin in general, sin, period. You see, sin is not God's fault. It's man's fault. God put man in the Garden of Eden. It was a perfect environment. And God created man with the ability to choose, to make choices. Man obviously made the wrong choice. And through man's wrong choice, sin entered the world, okay? And death by sin. And so every single, listen, every single situation, every single pain that you can think of is because of the fall of man. Did you know that? Every single one, every sickness, every sorrow, every form of abuse, every negative thing, every unjust ruler that there is in the world, it all goes back to sin entering the human race. We are conceived sinners. And therefore you don't have to teach people how to sin. It's natural for people to sin. And because it's natural, all the things that come with that inflict pain. You see, it is God himself who has come in the person of Jesus Christ to save us and will come to rescue and make things right again. So when people want to blame God, they'll say, well, it's God's fault. Or, or here's one that I hear at, at times. Why did God take my child away from me? You ever heard that one? And listen, that is, that is said and expressed in total grief and sorrow of heart. And I feel for people like that. And I hurt for people like that. But can I also tell you this, friend? God is not the one who took that child away. It all goes back to sin. It all has a foundation of sin. Sin in society. The reason there's death is sin. The very reason that there's death is because of sin. Everyone will die. Therefore, everyone is going to be taken away one day. It's just a matter of when. So let us not blame God, okay? The very one people blame 
for man's sin is the very one who delivers man from the sin. We're blaming the one who wants to help us. It's completely wrong. We've got it turned upside down. If you want to blame anybody, blame yourself. Blame mankind, okay? If you want, blame Adam and Eve. You know, I'm really glad when we get to heaven, we won't have a sin nature. Because I'll tell you what, everybody would get there and want to beat up Adam and Eve. (laughs) Especially Eve. Now, I personally would probably go for Adam if I had a choice and beat him up first because he didn't take the leadership he should have and allowed his wife to eat. Hey, do you know he could have slapped the fruit out of her hand, said, no, we're not doing that, but he didn't stand. By the way, that's a lesson to all of us who are men. See, folks, the one who allowed man to wreck his life is the very one who saves man from the destruction to a new life. 1 Corinthians 15, 21, it says, for since by man came death. Do you see that? It doesn't say, for since by God came death. No, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. The first man referred to there, Adam. The second one, Jesus Christ. Verse 22 explains it. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Jesus came to fix what man messed up. So the messed up world that we live in and the pain we experience is not God's fault. It's man's fault. You know, people say, well, I can't accept that. Well, whether you accept it or not, it's not going to change anything. That is the truth of it. You need to accept it because that's the only point that you're going to start getting the help that you need and that we all need. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You might say, is there any solution to this cursed world in which we live? Yes, it's Jesus Christ and the payment he made for our sins. He died and paid our sin debt and he offers eternal life. Came back from the dead and offers us that new life that he came back from the dead with eternal life. He offers that to you and me. All we need to do is trust in him as the one who died for our sins and rose from the grave. He'll give us everlasting life. The only cure for death is life. You might say, well, I don't, I don't like the fact that everybody dies in their sin and sickness and sorrow and all these kind of things. I don't either, but listen, the solution is found in Jesus Christ. And when you trust in him, he says you'll live forever. And there will be when we get to heaven, folks. One day there's not going to be any sorrow, sickness, disease, hurt, pain, suffering. It'll all be gone. So there's the solution. How much does it cost me? Nothing. Jesus paid the price for it when he died on the cross. Paid for all the sin. And he offers us eternal life if we will trust in him. And second reason for suffering is so that people will turn to the Lord and be saved. You see, there are times when terrible things happen to people so that God can get their attention. He allows things to happen in people's lives to where they understand, you know what? I need help. I need somebody to help me. I am overwhelmed. This is bigger than I can handle. Yes. And God allows that so that we will turn to him and say, I need help. And then we will understand what Christ has done for us. And we will put our faith in him as our Savior. Look with me to Luke chapter 9. Oh my. I came over this verse. uh, Well, I let me just put it this way. It registered. Do you know what I'm saying? This verse registered with me? Folks, the verses have always been there ever since they were written down. And I've read them many times, but sometimes things don't register. This verse didn't register with me until about two years ago. 
but it's become one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. And in light of our study on suffering, my, what a wonderful verse this is. See, instead of becoming bitter towards God because of suffering, understand the heart of God. Can I show you the heart of God? Luke chapter 9, verse 56. It says, For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Look at that. Look at that. Jesus didn't come to destroy. That's the devil's job. Jesus came to save. He came to fix. He came to be the solution. And he is the solution. That's the heart of God. And so all the pain you may be going through, all the suffering you may be going through, all the difficulties, you say, I don't even know where to turn. Turn to Christ. Understand he died in your place. He paid for your sins. He rose from the grave. He's offering you everlasting life. And when you trust him as savior, he becomes your savior. And then he can also, if you will, follow him. Not as a condition to getting to heaven, but once we're saved, Once you're a child of God, then if we follow him, he can be our shepherd. We will experience the loving, kind leading of God in our lives. And he can heal wounds. And he can heal hurts. But before he can be your shepherd, he has to be your savior. So trust him as your savior. The son of man has not come to destroy men's lives. He came to save them. It's amazing to me. People say, you know what? I don't know how you could ever believe in some kind of kooky religion. Uh, Friend, number one, it's not a kooky religion. It's the truth. Okay. But secondly, so what are you doing? You're believing in yourself, a flawed, sinful, fallen person and your own ideas. And you know what'll happen as your life gets worse and worse and worse. If you are not going to respond to the drawing of the Lord in your life, to the grace of God. If you're not going to respond, because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Jesus is drawing you. If you're not going to respond, you know what you're going to do? You're going to look for somebody to blame beside yourself. How much better to quit the blame game and instead look to Christ and say, I need a savior. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ as my savior. The moment you do that, he gives you everlasting life. He gives you the new nature. He gives you the Holy Spirit. You can understand the word of God. Folks, let let me tell you something. Life will never be on a better upswing than it will when you trust Christ as Savior. Well, let's move on. Let me give you a third reason today, and this one is so, so important. Another reason there is suffering or coming to grips with suffering. Another reason we suffer is because of ignorance of God's word. This is huge. We're going to spend the rest of our morning on this. Ignorance of God's word. Imagine walking through the woods and there were some giant deep pits or holes in the woods. They were covered with brush. You couldn't see them. You come upon them. You don't know they're there. You come upon them. You keep walking forward. You fall in. You break your leg or worse. Wouldn't it have been nice If before you ever went into the woods, somebody would have said, you know what? There are some pitfalls along the way. There are some big holes, some big pits. Let me draw you a map and let me show you where they are to where as you navigate through the forest, you avoid the pitfalls and you don't get hurt. Wouldn't that be great? How many of you would prefer that? How many of you would rather go through without anything just because of the adventure of it and 
fall in the pits and break your neck or leg or whatever. Yeah, I, I didn't think so. Okay, maybe somebody raise your hand. Don't manifest your foolishness by doing that. Listen, look with me to Jeremiah chapter 10. You and I cannot navigate this life on our own. You can't do it. And one of the major reasons people are suffering today is because they think they can, but they are ignorant of the solutions to the issues we face. And because of that ignorance, we are making wrong decision one after another, after another, after another. And we are self-inflicting pain on ourselves. And I'm not saying on purpose. It's because of ignorance. It's because we don't know what to do. It's because we don't know the decision to make. Jeremiah 10, 23, it says this, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. Look at this next part. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. You don't have it. You don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have the answers. I don't have the solutions. I don't know where the pitfalls are. I can be deceived. I can make a mistake. But God is all wise and he's all knowing. And he knows where every one of them is. And he's given us a roadmap. He's given us instructions on where those things are to where we can avoid them and we can walk a path that is sure, that is secure, that is safe, that is a path of blessing. I know that the way of man is not in himself. Folks, it's an important day when we come to the point where we say to God, Lord, I don't have the answers. You do. I submit my life to you as a believer. I surrender. I yield my life to you. Lord, you teach me. Here am I, Lord. I'm listening. I'm listening. But we have the worldly, quote unquote, wisdom today. You'll hear people say, and you'll see, you hear them say it often, well, you know, experience is the best teacher. No, it's not. You will learn from experience, hopefully. We will learn from experience, but it's not the best teacher. Experience oftentimes is a very painful teacher. How much better to believe what God says? He is the best teacher. Why not listen to what he has to say? That way I don't have to experience the pain and suffering of failure in my life, I can listen to him, take his solution, and avoid it. Hey, why do you think we have a Christian school? Not just to be busy. Let me tell you, there's plenty other things we could be doing with our time. Parents, we have a Christian school to help your children get grounded and navigate through life to where they don't make the mistakes that everybody else is making, to where they are getting the Word of God in them and, and getting a Christian worldview to where it becomes the very fabric of their life. We need to partner with each other in this regard because that is what it's all about. Now, we all believe in church. We all believe in Sunday school. What is Christian school? It's a five-day discipleship program. Experience is not the best teacher. The Lord through his word is the best teacher. This issue of ignorance of God's word. Let me give you several sub-points on this today. The first is this. The catastrophic problem of ignorance. The catastrophic problem. When I wrote that down this week, I thought, is that too strong of a word? Immediately, no. Because there are people who are living lives of catastrophe. And it's because of ignorance. There are a lot of people getting hurt today because they are ignorant of where the dangers lie in this world. As a result, they fall headlong into the ditches 
along the way. We see a principle in the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why are they destroyed? Lack of knowledge. You know what? There are lots of people being destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. They're making wrong decisions. Their whole lives made wrong decisions. I read something this week that just made me stop dead in my tracks. Out of a periodical youth worker update, Sign of the Times, October 1992, it said this. Listen, once out of school, nearly 60% of all adult Americans will never again read a single book. I'll say it again. Once out of school, nearly 60% of all adult Americans will never again read a single book. Because what are we doing? We're watching media. We're reading fake news. They'll never again read a single book. Now me, of course, or I as a, as a pastor, I immediately am not thinking about things such as Huck Finn or Moby Dick or C. Jane Run or whatever. I'm thinking of this. Okay, if 60%, that's six out of every 10, will never read another book, think of the ignorance of God's ways. No wonder people's lives are disasters today. Just how ignorant of God's word are people. Well, one lady told this story. She said, when I asked my friend if she was planning to attend church, she just shook her head. I haven't gone in a long time, she said. Besides, it's too late for me. I've probably already broken all seven commandments. (laughs) Her ignorance, by the way, is obvious. She's wrong on two counts. It's 10 commandments. That would have been correct. Actually, over 600, technically. But not only that, salvation is not through keeping them anyway. This is the greatest place of ignorance. More about that later. People thinking they can earn their way to heaven by keeping the commandments. No one keeps the commandments, number one. And you got to be perfect by the way you live your life if you're going to make it. And you can't do that. So therefore, you're condemned, guilty. You need somebody outside of yourself to save you. That's why Jesus came. Galatians says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law there shall no flesh be justified. See, many times suffering comes from making unwise decisions. That's ignorance many times. And this is an issue of sowing and reaping. Paul talked about his past life in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. And he says, at the end of the verse, he says, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. See, before he was saved, he thought he was doing God's work by persecuting and having Christians killed and condemned. He thought he was doing God's work. He was sincere. Listen, did you hear that? He was sincere. But you see, friends, sincerity is not a substitute for truth. And I believe a lot of people are sincere today. They just are ignorant of the answers. Now, listen, I hope you're understanding the way I'm using the word ignorant. I'm not being condescending or insulting. The word ignorant means without knowledge. You don't know. You don't know the answer. Peter talked about it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. He says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. He says, before you were saved, you were ignorant of the right, and you were involved in that which was wrong. But now that you're saved, you ought to be living a life as a child of God, as an obedient child of God. 
not the way it was when you were ignorant, but now that you've learned better, let's live better. For any American to be ignorant of God's word, can I say this morning, it is your own fault. It is your own fault. You might say, ouch, you stepped on my toes. Well, maybe you should get moving. Listen, friend, sometimes we need to hear something like that. We have more Bibles and access to biblical truth today than any other time in the history of the world. Did you know that? Anywhere the Word of God is there. Anywhere. You might say, well, you know, yeah, we have it in America, but what about other countries? What about Africa? What about this and that and all that? Listen, the Bible is translated in so many languages today. It is everywhere. It's on the internet. It's the satellite. It's on television. We've got it on paper. We've got it on our phones. We've got it on our tablets. I can get on a word processor and I can, with the Bible software that I have, I can just, I could literally, I could do two keys and I could type in Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 22. And it would shoot into a Word, Microsoft Word document, the entire Bible. It would take a while, but it would simply by that doing two keys, type in the address and hit enter, and the whole Bible immediately is produced in a document. Now, if that's true, then why are our lives so messed up? We are suffering from ignorance. And yes, folks, listen, there's no question about it. The fact of the matter is that many times it's an issue of not only ignorance, it's an issue of laziness. We are just too lazy to find the answers or care. We would rather simply do it by our emotions, by our feelings. So we see the, the catastrophic problem of ignorance, but secondly, we see the result of ignorance. See, ignorance of God's word is very much an issue of being in the dark or staying in the dark. This is even true for the Christian. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. You might say, well, you know, I was hoping and I came today that I would get some words of encouragement. Well, you're getting words of encouragement. You may not recognize it as such, but that shows how much you need to get in the Word of God. To understand what we're looking at today, folks, this is an issue that doesn't have to be to a large extent. There's a solution to this issue. Suffering because of ignorance, not knowing what to do, making wrong decisions. There's an answer to that. It's not like, well, you know, you have an incurable disease. No, this is curable. This can get fixed. That's good news. Many times we run into trouble because of ignorance. Ephesians 4 verse 17. Paul here is writing to the church at Ephesus. These are Christians. These are believers. And he is encouraging them as believers to not live the way they did before they were believers. Now, the very fact that he's saying that shows that they could. They could live the wrong way. They could go back and live the way they were before they were believers. But now that they're saved, he's saying, listen, you've got something better now. Live this out. Live out this new life in Christ. And here's an example of what not to do. Verse 17, Ephesians 4, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Watch this, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness 
of their heart. Do you see those three key words in verse 18? Darkness, ignorance, blindness. They're all related. Why are they in the dark? Because they're ignorant. And as a result of that, they're blind. Wouldn't you say when you're in the dark, you're blind? Have you ever been in a completely dark room? You're essentially blind. There's no light, none. You can't see. And so what do you do when you're in a dark room? What do you rely on? Your feeling, your feelings. And when you rely upon your feelings, they're not always wrong, but they can be wrong a lot of the time. You can be deceived, okay? Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, that's living out of control according to your flesh, to work all uncleanness with greediness. One Bible translation says, instead of greediness, it says, with, with a continual lust for more. In other words, I'm out of control. I'm in the flesh. I'm feeding my old carnal sin nature. And you know what? I just can't get enough of it. It's like a great white shark with a big piece of bloody meat. He just can't get enough of it. He just goes crazy. You know, there are people living like that. They're so in love with sin that they just go crazy. God says, wait a minute, you're Christians now. Don't live the way you did. God's got something better. You see, when we are in the dark, our senses become distorted and we make decisions based on our feelings. We become reactionary instead of acting on principle. We become reactionary. Now, if you don't know what the right thing is to do, then how can you act on principle when you don't know what the principle is? But we suffer because of ignorance. This is not walking by faith, but it's walking by feelings. And as a result, we suffer the consequences of that. Let me give this to you, major point, okay? Impulsive living will eventually result in many problems, and with that comes suffering. Impulsive living will eventually result in many problems, and with that comes suffering. Listen, folks, I am not trying to pour salt in anybody's wound today. I'm just wanting to challenge us all to say, you know what? God has a better way than me simply living by my opinion, my feelings, my senses. How much better if God will give us something in black and white and say, okay, this is what you do and this is what you don't do. The sad truth today is that churches themselves, many churches, are feeding and encouraging this kind of mentality, living by senses in the very people in their church because they have experience-oriented church services. There's a lot of that. Now, I'm not picking on anybody today, but if your church is an experience-oriented church, now listen, I shouldn't even have to say this, but I'm going to say it. Yes, God has made us with emotions. There's nothing wrong with that. But if your emotions are what drive you instead of the truth of God, you've got serious problems ahead. Because you'll confuse God's truth in his integrity and his word and his black and white truth. You'll confuse that with how you're feeling. And so people go to church, and there's a lot of people today, you talk to them, oh, you know, you'll say, oh, why don't you come out to church? Oh, I'm really happy with our church. Oh, really? Yeah. And the first thing sometimes out of their mouth is this, I really love the band. I really love the band. Oh, is that why you go to church? Is that a biblical reason to go to church because you love the band? That's not lining up with scripture. 
And you're not getting what you need if that's what you're doing. Your emotions are getting exercised, but your mind is not. And you make decisions, at least we're supposed to, make them with our minds, not our emotions. Because emotional decisions are usually the wrong ones. Yet this is our society today. How do you feel? People get interviewed. Isn't that ridiculous? They'll interview a manager, Paul Molitor, and let's say the twins lose a game. And they'll interview him. Well, how did it feel today to lose the game? What a stupid question that is. Oh man, I just loved it. You know, I just like, I hope we have a season like last season. How do you feel? Is that the issue, how we feel? No, the issue is what are the facts? What is reality? Okay? That's what we have to live with, folks. The feelings come and the feelings go. But many churches are promoting experience oriented church services. These types of services or meetings do not follow the biblical model at all. By the way, if you hear this today or if somebody watches this or hears this on the radio, let me throw out this challenge, dear friend. You will search in vain in the New Testament for any hint of that kind of service, an experience-oriented church service. You will search in vain. What you do is you find people, sincerity, Christians coming together, fellowshipping with one another, and learning the Word of God, being instructed. They are getting equipped to do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. That is what the bottom line is, okay? Now again, nothing wrong with coming and singing and being encouraged and all that, but that's not the main point if you look at what the Bible says. You might say, well, I differ with that. You know, you can, but it's what the Bible says that matters. My opinion, just like your opinion, is not the issue. The issue is the Word of God, the Word of God. And yet many churches, that's not where they're at. So what do they do? They've got maybe an hour service and 45 minutes of it is either videos or skits or music. And then there's a 15-minute sermonette for Christianettes. It's upside down. And as a result of it, people are easily led astray because the standard for faith and practice many times becomes what they feel, which is a subjective standard instead of what God says, which is an objective standard. You can't live your life by your feelings. You have to live your life by the truth of Scripture. It's why he gave us this book. Some of the music today is hypnotic in nature, constant droning noise in the background. The same words over and over. And what do you have in many churches? You have people waiting for a certain feeling or state of mind to come over them. And so they'll be there and they'll just be going back and forth and they'll just keep going on and on and on. And they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting for some feeling, some state of mind to come over them. Folks, listen, I don't believe that's usually God. I think that's an altered state. God has given us a sound mind. And listen, if you get in an altered state, you can put anything you want in that person's head because their guard is down. See, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You notice it doesn't say there's a way that seems wrong to a man, but he just does it anyway. No, there are cases of that. No, there's a way that seems right unto a man. It's his way. He thinks it's right, but it's not right. He's using his judgment, maybe the best he can, but his judgment is flawed because he does not see things clearly. This leads us to number three, the examples 
of areas of ignorance that bring real suffering in life. Can I give them to you very quickly? We're running out of time. Child training. Most people today have no idea how to train up children for Christ. They have no idea. And so what do they do? Here's what they do. Listen carefully. They train, they raise their kids the way they were raised. Because it's in you. It's what you know. Well, if you weren't raised right, you're not going to raise your kids right. And this is going to go on and on and on and on. I could tell you story after story after story of weird ideas people have about, you know, they'll say, can you help me with my kids? My family is a disaster. Can you help me? And you start giving them God's truth and they balk at it and they don't want to believe what God says about it. Well, do you want help or don't you? What about marriage? It's the same thing. Most people don't have a clue. Most people have wrong information about how marriage is supposed to be. If you talk to most people, they think they're saying something honorable. If you say, well, how should marriage be? Should it be, uh, you know, should you give 50% or should you give 75% or, or whatever? You know, and they'll say, well, I give 50, she gives 50. That's the way it's supposed to be. No, it's not. It's supposed to be 100-100. You live by principle. Because see, if it's only 50%, that, if the wife then fails to give the husband what he needs, then he's going to hold back and fail to give her what she needs. And what do you have? You have two people drifting further and further apart. Instead of saying, you know what, we're going to jump in this with both feet. We're going to both give 100%. And I'm going to decide that for myself. And, and, and honey, if you fail at times, I'm going to try to be a constant and do my part anyway. That's how it's supposed to be. There can be forgiveness and reconciliation. Giving, financially, most people don't have a clue. If they, they go to a church and the pastor one time says, you know, you should be giving faith. They go, oh, that's all, that's all they care about in that place is money. That's all they talk about is money, 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 money. I shouldn't say this, but maybe that's not the problem. Maybe you're a grub, okay? Maybe you have the false idea that you think your money belongs to you. That's a big one. You know, most people think that their money belongs to them. Even the term, their money, I shouldn't even say it. Because the Bible says everything in the world belongs to God. And we're just stewards. But you see, most people don't know that. How about daily time with the Lord for strength and guidance in the Word of God? Most people don't even read their Bible on a regular basis. How to get along with other peoples, it's in the Bible. Other people. Principles of submission and authority, it's in the Bible. Biblical pattern for local church, it's in the Bible. What to live for, your values of life, it's in the Bible, it's in the Bible, it's in the Bible. Like Prego sauce, it's in there. Okay? It's in there. But most people are ignorant. And as a result, listen, as a result, we make one wrong decision after another. We suffer the consequences of those wrong decisions. People are hurt, including ourselves. There's sorrow, there's pain, there's frustration, and it doesn't have to be. People are suffering because of ignorance. And by the way, what is really bad is that as we grow older, if we do not know the right decisions to make, which is ignorance, we make more wrong decisions based on our experience or history of making wrong decisions. I've always done it this way. Yeah, but is it the right way? Well, I don't know, but this is the way I've always done it. Oh, that's a dangerous way to live. That's a dangerous way. In other words, we make wrong decisions based on false ideas from the past. Why do you deal with your children the way you do? Well, that's the way my parents did it. Well, you know what? Hopefully they did it right. 
but many times they didn't. There are no perfect parents, by the way. And by the way, can I say this? If we do that, if we perpetuate wrong decisions, we just dig a deeper, 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 deeper hole, and there's more suffering involved in that. This is why poor choices in parents often results in the same or worse poor choices in their children. And by the way, let me just say this. Something like alcoholism is not in your genes. If you never touch alcohol, you'll never become an alcoholic. Most things like this, now I'm not saying you may not have a physical weakness to something. I'm not saying that's not possible. I'm just saying alcoholism, drunkenness, according to the Bible, it's not a disease. It's a sin. It's a work of the flesh. Okay, now hear me, hear me out on this. But if there's a much greater chance that a child is going to grow up to be an alcoholic if he grew up in an alcoholic family. That's not genetic. That's an issue of example. Their parents said, by example, this is how you cope with life when things get hard. Listen, they didn't mean evil by it. They didn't mean evil. And and can I say this? If you've got things in your life that you struggle with because of the way you were raised, I believe with all my heart to it, generally speaking, okay, I know there's exceptions. Generally speaking, I really do believe most parents have done the best they could. But many times they were ignorant of the right way and they did it the wrong way and they thought it was right. They were sincere, but they blew it. And so what did the children do? That's what they learned. It's been put in them. And so they do the same things again and they suffer the same results. Folks, if we stumble around in darkness, we will get hurt and we will end up suffering. It isn't because of God It is because we either did not know or refused biblical instruction. So this is sobering, isn't it? Very quickly, the divine solution to ignorance, very quickly. Number one, personal time in the study of God's word. This is through reading. This is through studying. This is through memorizing. Oh, it's too hard. What would you rather have, a wrecked life? Wouldn't it be better to get out of the ditch than to live in the ditch By the way, the deeper ditches get, the darker they get. Psalm 119 verse 130 says, The entrance of thy word giveth light, it gives understanding unto the simple. Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word gives us hope. God's word gives us direction and instruction. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere, the undefiled, the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Secondly, go to a Bible believing and teaching church. Listen, if your church does not teach the Bible, I'm not talking about a verse here and a verse there. If your church does not teach the Bible, then find one that does. May I be so forward as to say, come to our church. This is our commitment. The scripture. Paul said all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And then Paul, in that, because of that, because the Bible is the answer, he says to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God 
And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. People won't put up with it anymore. That's where we're at. If you haven't noticed, the divine solution to ignorance, number one, personal time in the study of God's word. Number two, going to a Bible-believing and teaching church. And folks, come to learn. Write it down. Write stuff down. Okay, have it. Number three, getting biblical counsel from someone who knows the scriptures. Listen, there are times when, you know, you can say, well, the answer you need is in the word of God, but you may not have time. You may need something today. Well, get counsel today. Go to somebody. Come to the pastor and and say, I need help in this area. Do you have any scriptural counsel for me? And the answer to that is I'll do all I can 24-7 to help. I mean that. I mean it. Proverbs 12-15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. If you don't know the answers or you need help finding the answers, then get the help you need because a lot of our pain and suffering comes from ignorance. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Sadly, there are a lot of people who are ignorant of the way Satan wants to trip them up. Now, without question, the greatest area of ignorance is in the area of what must we do to be saved to go to heaven. Easily 90% of people have the wrong idea of what it takes to go to heaven. They think it's by works or commitment or faithfulness or stopping bad habits or starting new ones. Something based on how they live their life. They think that's how you get to heaven, by living a clean, pure life. No, friend, you may be as sincere as the day is long. That will not save you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. You're saved by grace, not works. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, okay? We are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. We have a sin problem. Our sin separates us from God. If this is you and me and my wallet is our sin, our sin separates us from God. To get to heaven, you have to be sinless and none of us are. We're disqualified. That's why works won't help. We're already messed up. We need a savior. If we pay for our sin, eternity in hell. But God so loved us, he took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says, for he, God, hath made him Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus died for us, rose from the grave, and he offers eternal life as a gift to anyone who will put their faith in him. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me has everlasting life. Will you today put your faith in Jesus Christ? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.